0: Welcome to South Carolina Launches CEO podcast, where we hear from CEOs on their entrepreneur experience. Welcome to SCRA's our next featured guest. And today we have our next featured guest is uh, the team from Biotech. Uh, we have Mark Ferry and Neeraj Sharmale, and wanted to uh, introduce both of them guys. Uh, Give us some of your background, and we'd love to start to learn more about biotech. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and jump in. So uh,
1: I had spent the first two decades of my career in IT, and principally with Cisco Systems and um, project management, strategy, things like that. And um, through that relationship and in relation to a project I was working on with my father, I was connected to Neeraj. Um, and so Neeraj was in automotive, uh, engineering and had been out of Clemson for a few years. And we started talking about how we could commercialize, um, our regenerative braking system. And at first it was just an hour every Thursday night from eight to nine o'clock. Um, Neeraj Sachin Gupta and I would meet on the phone, talk about the problem, talk about solutions, propose architectures for it get external um, advice from other people, come back, regroup, replan until we got to the point that we thought we had something which was truly marketable. Um, And at that point, we decided to found the company. Um, So that's sort of where we started. Um, About a year after that, I would leave my previous career and focus
0: 100% on biotech. That's great. And Neeraj, I'd love to hear a bit about your story, your background. Yeah, sure. Um, As
2: Mark mentioned, um, I did my master's in automotive engineering at Clemson's ICAR, International Center for Automotive Research. And I went on to work in a couple of different places, uh, starting with some engine development work up in Michigan, um, followed by um a little while at Proterra electric buses in Greenville South Carolina um and i when mark and i started talking i was working for another startup in this area um on a ground up design for a electric vehicle um a vocational electric vehicle that was off highway um and through us chatting about stuff and chatting about um how we could commercialize Um, an efficiency solution for heavy-duty trucks Um, this electro hydraulic hybrid system was born um, which became a thing that we patented and then prototyped. and that's kind of where our involvement with SCRA began as well in during um, uh, that first prototype um, and trying to commercialize it
0: that's great and let's let's kind of wind the clock back uh, kind of Something I call the history of the future if we um, back to the original mission of viatech and and uh, where you are today, um, how does that that original mission kind of match up with uh, the way that biotech is is building and uh, growing today and, and addressing the opportunities that are in the market
1: uh, so that mission is um, you know to create a more pleasant Uh, environment for owners, operators, and the communities in which they live and work. The idea really rooted in that is that people aren't going to buy the product or buy green solutions just because they're green solutions. They'll do that a little bit, but economically, it doesn't make sense. So it has to be a good deal for the owners. The operators have to adopt it. And for um, utility providers, it's a you no, know, it's a good look for their community one of our customers said uh, they expect our um their tax dollars to be spent on the things they care about and they care about electrification and they believe that it can be done and we can save money so with our first development partners there's the town of apex um they had utility lighting and forestry trucks uh and really an innovative spirit and so in time we would roll out the system with them And I thought one of the interesting things they did is they do an annual focus on public works. And so they brought the trucks that had our systems on them to the town park and gave rides all day long for kids to come up and look over their town. Where we are more broadly, um, we've got systems across North Carolina principally with large utilities. And the first year, 2018 and part of 2019, was really validating the solution. Um, And so we we have data which tracks what's going on in the field, the usage, performance, savings, things like that. We extrapolated that out over a few years and said, if you implement these on your trucks, um, then it will reduce your operating costs over 10 years by $100,000 to $120,000. And so that buys part of your next truck. And um, we needed to have a three-year payback period. They keep these trucks for like 10 years. Um, So we validated that case, gave it to one of our partners, uh, the utility um, partner, and they went through it and said, "Eh, your numbers are a little different, but they're pretty close. And they didn't tell us we were too high, which I think they would have. So it reflected well on the payback model. And so um, electrification doesn't work like diesel. So if you buy a diesel truck, uh, you pay X amount for it, and then you pay X amount in maintenance and diesel for the next 10 years. That's not included in the purchase price, but it certainly is expensive. Um, so when we look at it and calculate the savings in fuel, the extended life of the vehicle, the reduction in maintenance, the ability to put our system on at the beginning of its life, pop it off at the end, it gives the utility the opportunity to sell their trucks. And they always keep these for eight to 10 years. But to sell it into the secondary market, now you've got a truck that's got 60% less engine hours, Um, and almost no mechanical PTO hours. So you get an opportunity to get a higher resale value on the product. So throughout the life cycle, whether you're the fleet manager, the operator, the person who's trying to sleep in the middle of the night listening to a utility truck or not hearing it in this case, um, there's sort of an effect on that entire value chain throughout the life of the product, which looks good for the utility and also uh, demonstrates that you can go green and reduce your costs substantially while creating a better experience for everybody involved.
0: That's great, and I want to make sure that our listeners are are crystal clear on uh, the the problem uh, that uh, you're you're addressing. Can you unpack yeah,
1: that? Sure. So um, it's funny when uh, every time I do this presentation, I tell people, you know, when you drive around, you see utility trucks everywhere. But in fact, that's not what you see, because there are so many of them, and we never interact with them, that we don't really see them on the road. But the way these trucks work is um, they've got a large diesel engine, which they use for moving the truck, and a way to redirect that engine power to run the aerial device. So this is Bucket or a Digger derrick, the auger that puts in telephone poles, any of those things that they can't do their work when they're on site without keeping the truck running. And so a truck engine is designed to pull a 32,000-pound vehicle. It spends about five hours a day moving a few hundred-pound operator um, up and down several times. And so it's way overpowered naturally for that. But you don't have a lot of choice because if you electrify these platforms and the power goes out, then you no longer have a truck. You have a gigantic stapler. So um, they've got to work when the power is out. And that's one of the requirements here. So what we do is enable um, all of those hydraulics to operate off of our system, including air conditioning for the cab and the lights and all the other things that they need to operate. All of that will run off of our system on an average day while the engine sits at
0: or sits off. Where are you seeing the, the big opportunities as you look in the, over the next 12, 24 months? What excites you the most when you, when you think about uh, opportunities to grow and uh, to deliver even more on the promise of biotech?
1: Uh, so I can talk about the business opportunities that we're driving forward. Um, and I'll do that a little bit, and then I want to give Neeraj an opportunity to talk about the technology, um, opportunities and diversifying like, essentially where we're headed on our roadmap. But, um, so we've been in this, uh, people go through experience, exposure, education and the things, So they get exposed to it, um through various events, experience using these in the field, and once their organization has a sense of competence that, yeah, they're going to get the return on investment, their people are going to use it, um, then it's easy to adopt these across the fleet. So while we're doing a lot of exposure work with different utilities across the country and municipalities, we're approaching this tipping point where it makes more sense, you know, it costs you less to buy a truck with an electric power takeoff unit or APU than it does to buy one without it. And so that's what we're seeing, that tipping point takeoff. People are on the verge of making uh, fleet standardization decisions, and that's what we want to see and see three to five of the larger utilities in the country and a few key municipalities um, adopt the product over that time frame. And so once the floodgates open and everybody goes, oh, my God, I'm wasting money every I don't have one of these. And look, these industry thought leaders are confident enough to do it. It becomes like an IBM decision. No one gets fired for buying IBM. No one will get fired for putting smart PTOs on because it is the way you get the most out of your vehicle.
0: That's super helpful. And, and Neeraj, I know you wanted to kind of build on the, the, the tech story there. Love, love to hear that.
2: So the way we see the opportunity here um, is very simply, um, there is tried and tested technology out there um, that can help reduce emissions, reduce um, fuel use, reduce costs. Um, But most of these industries are waiting for the wholesale solution to arrive before they quote unquote go electric. So case in point, there's a bunch of these trucks Hundreds of thousands of these trucks out in the world that are really going to not become all electric for a long time. Um, And one of the reasons Mark mentioned was um, if electric utilities are out and about fixing power, restoring power where power has been lost, um, or putting power where power didn't exist before, they cannot rely on the same power to charge their truck, to work the truck, to put power in place. So they need. They need a solution that's more conventional and more reliable. However, 99% of the time, those trucks are going to be working during the day, coming back home at night um, and spending the rest of the night at Dobbs Center. So why wouldn't they want to use the electricity that they make and sell instead of buying the diesel that costs them a bunch of money? Um, And so we see the technology-wise, we see that opportunity as there are quick wins for customers like electric utilities to buy tried and tested technology to electrify that portion of their use case or that portion of their work vehicle that can benefit from that electrification today without there being a wholesale solution that might be a decade away. And so to that end, um, we envision taking our technology, our architecture for the product and applying it across various different kinds of vocational work vehicles. Um, A big chunk will be electric utility vehicles, but there might also be other vocational vehicles like refuse trucks or um, news vans or you know what have you that could benefit from electrification for most of their job function, even if the whole vehicle
0: isn't electric. That's powerful and who are you bumping up in against in in the market uh and and how do you differentiate from other solutions that that are out there
2: i'll just give the technology um you know uh, perspective and then you can talk about the commercial angle there Uh, from a technology perspective um, what you could consider as quote unquote the competition is really people who build not electric things, having to build electric things to keep up with the demand in the market. So you have um, you have organizations, you have companies who are experts at building a certain kind of product that are having to adapt to build electrified solutions to satisfy the demand in the market. Um, and where we see our advantage is we don't come at it from the angle of diesel engines or aerial devices, or hydraulics, or any other function or equipment that we make, and electrification being just an add-on piece, we come at it from the electrification angle. We consider ourselves experts in EV and hybrid technology, and we make solutions um, that serve that particular um, you know uh, domain rather than um, adapting to electrification. Um, and so that kind of where we we bump into legacy solutions that were driven by need, but the performance and the reliability never kept up with the requirements. Um, and we see our opportunity in providing more robust and reliable, better integrated integrated from a systems integration standpoint, not with the vehicle. Um, turnkey solutions. Um, that can work with existing equipment and with existing uh, manufacturers.
0: That's really, uh, that's powerful. And Mark, I know you had something to say in that regard as well. So, yeah,
1: I think a lot of the providers out there, you know, they are OEMs of one sort or another, and they're really good at what they're doing. Um, They got pressure from customers in order to develop new solutions and were pushed into automotive engineering and electrical engineering that was not their specialty. Um, they were excellent at hydraulics and various things like that. Um, and then encountered field problems, which the that first generation and second generation of EPTOs um, were a difficult experience um, and created a lot of gun-shy people out in the market. Most of the solutions are deeply integrated in the vehicles, so you can't remove them. And when you get to the end of the life of that truck, the resale value tanks because people don't want to buy a 10 year old battery system. That was one of the reasons ours have to be removed. So today there are no parallel systems um, that are designed and operated on the same principles in the same way that Smart PTO does, nor use uh, intact drivetrain at its heart. Um, and so there's a lot of Challenges diving into this market space that I think we're uniquely positioned for based on the team, the technology background, experience, nearage with Rotera and the other teams um, that will continue to differentiate us. And then as a business, um, you know, we talk about what the world looks like going forward. Um, uh, As much or to the degree to which we can provide this as a plug-and-play solution that shops themselves can implement Um, it allows us to remotely monitor and support the customer while not having to invade their installation or their sites um, on a regular basis so um yeah we have competition in the market um, but the products that we're competing against um have have limitations that are visible to um, most of the consumers out there, and that's why we're not seeing broad adoption. There's lots of trying things and very little. I'm going to put this on every one of my vehicles. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of interest in doing that, you know, taking that next step and saying all of our vehicles should come with this because we're wasting money if we don't.
0: Oh. If you kind of wind the clock back and look at um, the the relationship that you've had with SCRA, what would you say has been the most impactful uh, aspect of that relationship thus far?
1: Uh, Neeraj, I'm going to take this first. You might want to jump in too. But um, when we we reached, Neeraj mentioned SCRA one day, and I went onto the website, and I put in an application to become a client company, and we were working on uh, building smart load at that time, um, so that first product. And we were connected with Mark Housley, who is the regional manager in our area, who would go on to be the most important executive advisor um, to the company and then join the company. Uh, today he acts as an outside advisor, still guiding our business growth even after he retired from SCRA. And the SCRA team provided support and connections at each stage. Jill Sorensen, Cole Dudley, uh, Steve Johnson—all of them provided guidance, which helped. First, get uh, we got a project development grant from. Uh, actually, a little story here: we were going to try and do a pilot up in a North Carolina city, and um, so I went into Mark Mark's office out at Clemson, and I said, "You know, it looks like we're going to be able to do a pilot in the city," and he's like, eh, "I'd really rather you do it down here." And so he reached out to Fred Payne with Greenville County, and within a week, we had the framework of a um, pilot project banged out there and a fifteen thousand um, dollars project development grant in order to or demonstration yeah, as project development funds um, in order to get going. That was an extremely successful pilot with the county of Greenville. and um so building upon that as helped us acquire a demo truck so we could get more exposure out there. Um, Upon the – we took that demo, brought it around, we were able to secure um, funding in North Carolina to deploy our first 24 units, and then we got letters of intent to purchase those. Uh, Building upon that, we got um, our first investment from SCRA. That accelerated our growth and helped us Well, it accelerated our growth, period. Um, And then after that, we uh, started to look for OEM relationships, and SCRA at that point um, helped us put a demo unit onto one of the OEM trucks out there. So at each stage, um, SCRA was there with um, not just funding assistance, but um, they were there at the right point for what we were ready for. Um, so the close relationship we had with Mark Hesley um, and the feedback to the SCRA team was always – and I remember I went in one time with our draft presentation for our first pitch to the SCRA board or the uh, SC launch board, and I got ripped. <laughs> um, it, and a week later when we came back, Uh, We did our presentation, and the gentleman who had given us really rough feedback walked up and said, I've never seen anything adjusted so much in my life, um, which was great feedback, and it was the message that SCRA needed to hear um, in order to understand where we were going. So he helped us hone our message. SCRA connected us with uh, presentation events in uh, Georgia at the RISE Forum. and brought us into several events that they hosted themselves in order to give us broader exposure to people. Um, and he, yeah. we just got our second follow-on investment from SCRA. And uh, it's funny, um, when when they first saw us, before any money came in and we had SmartLoad, I think that SCRA was more impressed with our um, passion and uh, creativity than with our product itself, with SmartLoad. Um, But as it evolved and they watched, I think that um, that was the thing, our flexibility, the way that we adapted to the market uh, is what kept their support coming as we went along. Um, So there's no other way to express my gratitude to SCRA. They helped shape our success, and um, they're really a testament or an asset for South Carolina and the business community. They are why we're there, they're why we're hiring engineers there um, and looking to build our future there. Well,
0: that's exactly, uh, wow. Well, that, that was just a, a great testimony to um, you know, the way that we certainly love to engage and support uh, our community and, and the, the companies that are um, building uh, great products and great outcomes uh, the way that uh, Biotech is. Well, Neeraj, any, any thing you would like to add to that? I know this is uh, you, you've worked with SCRA, uh, before, uh, any, any thoughts that you have in regard to impact that the Sera relationship has had on Viatech?
2: Well, very simply, uh, this is the third startup <laughs> that I've been involved uh, in that SCRA has had a big part to play. In. So that I think that just goes to show you how, um, you know, crucial SCRA has been to the startup ecosystem in South Carolina. And um, I mean, I, at least definitely with this example, what Mark talked about, I can totally attest that, you know, so much of our success and even existence up to this point has been because of SCRA's connections, guidance and
0: investment. No, that's great. Well, Mark Neeraj, thanks so much for joining us today. This has uh, been rich with information and inspiration. And I can't thank you enough for your time, your thinking. And uh, it's exciting to see what uh, you and the biotech team are building. And we're wishing you the very best of luck. Thanks so much. Thank you.